real quick as a recap, boundaries. I want you just to think about what a boundary is. I mean, we can look out, um, being from the, we're, we're pretty much country out here in Cookville, all good, uh, the Upper Cumberland. You don't have to drive far to see cows, and there are fences. Fences mark boundary lines. There are signs. There are walls, even manicured lawns, hedges. These are all physical boundaries. But even in the spiritual world, there are also just as real boundaries. The problem is they're not, I want to say they're not as obvious, but they should be. You know, the Word of God says that if we can tell what the weather's going to do, can't we tell what's going on in the spiritual realm? And it's because we have the Holy Spirit. We should be able to hear what the Lord is saying. We should be able to see things coming because we have the Lord. Unfortunately, things that we don't see, a lot of times we just sometimes miss. It's very easy to miss. But I want you to know that the owner of the property is legally responsible for that property. If you don't own the property you're standing on, you're not responsible for it. Unfortunately, so many times we're standing on property that we're not responsible for, but we think we, we, we kind of take ownership of it, and it's not ours. And vice versa, we allow other people to take ownership of our property. And the whole purpose of this message on boundaries is to let you know who you are, where you start and where you end, where you end and where someone else starts, so that we can be in control of us. Amen? I want to be in control of me. Physical boundaries mark a property line that someone holds the deed to. And even in the spiritual world, um, they are there. There are those property lines. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this is really the heart of this message, is guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I, I think that we, if we could really have some reality to happen in our hearts, in our souls, in our spirit, we might see that we don't guard our heart like we should. We allow things in that shouldn't be in. We keep things out that should be in. Amen? These boundaries work both ways. Boundaries are not walls. We are not supposed to have walls up that nothing can penetrate. The, wall, the boundaries are there to keep the bad out and to keep the good in, but to also be permeable enough to allow. Boundaries need gates, they need a way to open and to close because there are times when they need to be closed and there are times when they need to be open and learning to open at the right time and to close at the right time. But boundaries define us. It determines what is me and what is not me. It shows me where I end and where someone else begins. Last time, last week, we looked at some examples of boundaries. One of the most basic boundaries that we have is our skin. It shows me where I end and where you begin. Have you ever, have you ever been around kids where you've had to say, keep your hands to yourself? No touching. I don't know if y'all have ever been on long trips with young kids or older kids, for crying out loud, and we have to yell to the back, don't touch each other anymore. I've got one that's just laid all over the place, and I've got a, a my son is six feet tall, and he's, we're crammed, we got eight people in our suburban, and there is no not touching each other. They hate it. We've thought about taking two cars, and Elizabeth's like, no, this is part of it, we have to be in the same car. 
And of course, we're up in the captain's chairs in the front. No one's touching us. We're fine. And you know, what goes on in the back stays in the back, right? But these kids quickly will determine what their boundary is. And others kind of think they can invade that boundary. And if they don't respond, they keep invading it until they do respond. You have any of those kids that are looking for the reaction? You got any friends that are like that? Okay. (laughs) So skin, another boundary is words. I can tell you where my line starts and where my line ends. I will go down this road right here. Unfortunately, a lot of times we don't use our words or we use them in damaging ways. Our words can be hurtful, but also I can tell you if you're around me and if I've got healthy boundaries, if you cross that, I can use my words to define those boundaries, not to hurt you, but to love you. Hey, this is how to love me right here. This is me. This is you, right? Then there's geographical distance. Sometimes you need geographical distance from each other. And the other one was emotional distance. Sometimes you just need to be able to pull some emotional distance between you and maybe your spouse or you and a friend or you and and a family member for a time. Not forever, but for a time. So tonight, I'm going to start with the next one. There's skin, words, geographical distance, and emotional distance. Tonight, as I start, it's other people. You need to depend on others to help you set and to help you keep boundaries. People subject to other people's addictions, control, and abuse find that after years and years of loving too much, their addictions, their abuse, sometimes after loving too much, that it takes a support group to be able to break free of that. Uh, It's a very popular thing today to have support groups. I I don't know if you know this, but support groups have been around forever. When the church was created way back in the day, the church is a support group. We are here to help one another, to be able to say, hey, I think you got something sticking out of your nose and you need to wipe that off. Your wife seems to have grown used to it. Your kids don't have the guts to tell you, but you got something sticking out of your nose and I think you ought to wipe that off. Really? Thanks. Or, no, that's my friend. I'm going to keep that. Well, okay. That's weird. But this support system will give you the strength to say no to abuse and to control for the first time in your life. I want you to know what happens here on Tuesday night is a teen challenge comes in to offer support to the Upper Cumberland for free for those that are addicts and those that are family of addicts. For free. Here, every Tuesday night. It's an awesome program. But there are two reasons, two main reasons that I'm going to share that we need help from others with our boundaries. Is that one of the most needed parts of life, one of the most needed things, basic need in life is relationship. I don't care if you think you've got that personality that you don't need it. I'm sorry, you were created in God's image. You were created to be with someone. Number one, with the Lord but also with people. We have a longing for relationship. But people, I want you to know, people suffer a lot to have relationships, so much that they put up with abuse because they fear that their partner will leave them and they will be left alone if they ever stand up to them. 
Fear of being alone causes people to stay in abusive relationships for years. They're afraid that if they set boundaries, that they won't have any love in their life. But finally, when someone decides to open themselves to support from others, they find that that abusive person is not the only love source in the world. That there are other love sources out there. And that they can find strength through these support systems to help set limits that they need to set. And that they're no longer alone. Um, I've had a, a family member... Um, to to go to one of these to go to a support group due to a, a family situation, and it was just like the light was turned on to say other people are going through what I'm going through. I'm not the only one going through something, and I have no idea how to go through this. I, I'm literally going through something that I've never been through. Now I can be a doofus and just try to white knuckle it, and hopefully, hopefully I'll wind up good, or I can ask somebody for help. So sure enough, I called the only per, the, the person I thought I felt like the Lord told me was somebody in the church, somebody close to me, and said, look, I'm going to have to show you some stuff that doesn't look good on, on me, but I need help. He said, okay, I got it. I know what to do. I can help you, and I'll keep my mouth shut. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in sin. I'm just, we go through stuff. Do you, guys, do you guys hear me? You're going through something. I'm going through something but I can try to hang on on my own, and I will tell you it never works. Or I can seek support. I can seek counsel. Scripture says that if you'll have a lot of counsel, you'll find the right answer. So support groups. It's the reason why we need each other, to realize we're not alone. But the other reason we need others is because we need new input, and we need new teaching. Do you know when I hang out with you, I hear about things that that you do, Pastor Justin does things differently than I do them. And my whole life, I always thought that my way was the right way. But then I, I would, in fact, Pastor Matt, the pastor that I uh, followed uh, as a worship leader, I never was biting for his job. In fact, until he resigned, I, the, the Lord had called me early in my life, but he had made it clear, this, this is not your position. My position was worship leader, so I was very content being right there. But every now and then I would ask myself, what would I do if I was in his shoes? I would just continually say, what would I do? And I would always think of some other way that I would do it because he's doing it the wrong way. And every single time, the way he did it worked. And I would step back and think, God, how did that work? Well, for him, I mean, I'm sure there's a thousand ways he could tell me why it worked, but he just basically said, because I'm with him and because he's with me. And even though you think it has to be done this way, tr- what, what, my lack, I wasn't lacking trusting him, but me questioning him was me questioning God. And that's what the Lord said. He's your authority. I'm not sitting here to try to get y'all to follow me blindly. That's so dumb. But the Lord was showing me, you're, it's a lack of trust in, in me, in God. That breakdown there was just a lack of trust. But new input, new teaching. I get around you guys, I hear new stuff. I hear different ways of doing things. You know what's silly is even the church or your family or your education has probably taught you that putting up boundaries is mean. It's not mean. It's healthy. 
We need good biblical people around us and support systems to help us break these old types of teaching and these lies that want to keep us in bondage. We need support to stand against these old messages and of the guilt involved in change. How many of you have tried something new and your family made you feel guilty for going in that direction? Any of you ever changed what day you do Christmas? Oh my gosh. It's like you wanna, you're, you're wanting to go out and devil worship or something. I'm not kidding. Families want to break over it. Hey, I'm sorry, I just had a conflict. Hey, I'm a pastor now and we've got 8 o'clock Christmas Eve service. I can't do it. Well, we've done this forever. I'm like, I know. <laughs> but this is what I got to do. I can tell them I'm not going to do it, but how is that going to go? So either rearrange it or I'm just not going to be able to be there. It's no problem. But, but this, is, this, is how, this, is, this is what I've got to do. It didn't go like that. My, my grandparents, if you ever knew my grandparents, they're the, some of the best, they were some of the most spiritual, supportive people ever. But if you try to change something in family, oh, my gosh, everybody chill. Take a deep breath and look at where everybody's heart is. If you'll see their heart, change comes a little bit easier. The problem is we don't see the heart. But we need to break some of these old systems. Now, consequences. Let's talk about consequences because with, with uh, boundaries and with people that, that have bad boundaries or no boundaries set up, we need, we need, you need to hear this. I want you to know that when you trespass on someone's property, there are consequences, right? There are consequences. No trespassing usually means, a sign usually means that there is a threat of prosecution if someone steps over the boundaries. Anybody ever hunted on somebody's land and you didn't have permission? Or have you ever fished in somebody's pond and you didn't have permission? I hear a few of you saying yes. Anybody ever sat in someone else's pew at church? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny when I catch someone and they're sitting over there and they're like, somebody was in my seat. And I'm like, ah, oh. that's so funny. We are such, we take ownership of just anything. That's my seat. <laughs> Trespassing. The Bible teaches this principle over and over and over. The Word of God says, if you go this route, this is what's going to happen. If you go this route, this is what's going to happen. Just as the Bible gives consequences for certain behavior, we need to back up our boundaries with consequences. How many marriages could have been saved if a spouse had said, if you, don't, if you hit me again, I'm removing myself from this situation, and they did. How many times have you heard a parent say, I'm going to count to three? I'm like, oh, God, please just don't start counting. Just don't count. This is going to be painful for me to watch. One, two, Johnny, don't do that. One, two, well, what happens at three? Nothing. So shut up. 
Quit counting, poor kid. One time you're actually going to hit three and you're going to smack them and they're not going to know why they got it that time because ten other times they didn't. So all you're doing is breeding flat-out rebellion. Where did that one come from? You gave me ten warnings. Why did number 11, you hit me on it? They set the boundary, but there is no consequence. We've got to have boundaries. You know, you have a, a child that won't, that won't move on and go, go get a job to be able to say, if you don't get a job, you're not going to get X. You know, the Word of God says, if you don't work, you don't eat. But parents, let me, let me tell you something. If you've got a cat that shows up at your house, if you feed it, it'll come back. I'm living proof. My cat rode with me under the car to Planet Fitness the other day. We are not cat people, but we are people that aren't cat people that have a cat. This is all new. We do not understand this at all. Someone's walking around Planet Fitness saying, what kind of car do you drive? I'm like, oh, no. The last time they did this, people had broke into cars. I'm like, oh, no, what do you drive? I told them when I drove, and they kept on going. I'm like, oh, thank God. But the guy didn't realize what kind of car it was. It was my car. So, and then I catch them outside, and there they are putting a note on my car. I'm like, why would they put a note on my car? What are they, what are they doing? Someone heard a cat under your car. Great. great. Yep, that's my cat. It's burned on the top of his head. Whiskers are missing. Poor thing. Scared to death. I mean, we've fallen in love with this darn cat. Um, I was talking about boundaries and somehow I got off on a cat. Consequences. I really didn't have a story about that cat. I was just telling you about him riding with me. Do you know that God does not enable irresponsible behavior? Hunger is a consequence of laziness. If someone gets hungry enough, they'll work. I know this probably sounds a little bit harsh to those that are battling some family issues. But I want you to know you're going to love them by allowing the consequence to come. That is loving them. It may not sound like loving them. But consequences give good barbs. Like barbed wire gives good barbs to fences. They let people know the seriousness of the trespass and the seriousness of our respect for ourselves. It teaches them that our commitment to living according to helpful values is something we hold dear to and will fight to protect and to guard. So can you see that with consequences? Um, I've got a, I was just telling my wife, I, as, as I was studying this, I kind of said, honey, I think we're kind of doing this with one of our kids. They won't get up in the morning. And all we do is just, go hold their hand until they're in the car ready to go. 
And if we would place some consequences to this behavior, it's not you, by the way. Even though we can't ever get her up either. But she's incredibly responsible. But if there are, if there are consequences to this, the behavior will change. It just will. How many of you know that if, if you're held to a consequence, you're going to change your behavior? Or you're going to deal with the, you're going to live with that consequence. You got either choice. You can live with it. So I want to give you a story, and this is a story from Scripture that you know. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You guys know this story. A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and was beaten, left for dead on the side of the road. And here comes three guys. It sounds like a joke. You know, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan came walking up on this dude. So here comes the priest. Church, this is the church. Here comes the church. Sees him on the other side of the road. Uh, That doesn't look like something I want to deal with. And keeps walking. Then here comes the Levite. Let's tell you, now we we got the priest involved. Now we got the worship leader involved. Or the guys that's serving in the church. Right? Still the church. People that should be doing God's work. Here comes the Levite. Looks. uh, I'm not touching that. Then here comes the Samaritan, the guy that you would think would be the last one to help. Looks at him and sees, oh, my gosh, I'm persecuted by this guy. This is not good, but that isn't what he sees. He goes and he helps the man. Do you remember what happens? He goes and gets him food, gets him cared for for his health, and gets him a place to sleep. The next day, uh, if you remember, he tells the innkeeper, I want you to, here's enough money to care for this man for, I think, three days. I will be back to help. And if this money doesn't cover everything, pay it. I will be responsible for him, and I will pay it when I get back. Right? Now, let's just do a hypothetical. This guy that's been beaten, this guy that's laying in the bed, and this good Samaritan has just helped him, and he's telling the innkeeper, hey, I'm about to leave, and the, the guy comes to his senses and comes out of his coma and is like, where are you going? You can't leave me. What am I going to do if I get to hurting again? The guy's like, look, i got business to do. I've got you cared for. But what if I need you? You're not being the church. You're not helping me. You should stay with me. And the guy says, you know what? You're right. I'll stay with you. Stays with him for the day. Gets up the next morning. I think you're doing better. No, you can't go. you got to stay with me. I need you. Can't you see that I need you? You're not being the church. You're being selfish. Okay, I'll stay with you. Third day, this businessman shows up and comes up to the Samaritan and says, I'm sorry, I've already sold my camels. I don't have them for you anymore. Now the Samaritan turns to the injured man and says, look what you've done to me. You caused me to do this. I'm not even going to have a business anymore because of what you've just done to me. Do you see the picture? Can anybody relate? The one guy was manipulating him to stay, and he knew what the man that helped him knew what he should have been doing, but he didn't. Both were at fault. Both blamed each other. Neither took responsibility for themselves. Even though the Good Samaritan didn't. Now, this isn't really what happened. The Good Samaritan left. Right? 
he left. He did the right thing and he left. But so many times we get roped into or we take the bait. We feel guilty when the healthy thing to do is to keep doing what you're supposed to do. I think that we can relate to both sides of this picture. I know I can. I can be both in this story. This is familiar. We may be moved with compassion to help someone in need, but this person manipulates us to giving more than we want to give. And we end up resentful and angry, and if we allow it, we allow unforgiveness to come in. Now we've got a real bondage issue. Now it's on me. Now my prayers are hindered. Now I've got real issue. And it, it starts, how many of you know that if you're unforgiving, un, holding unforgiveness toward anyone, it affects your entire life. The stuff that you've got that's good, all of a sudden isn't good. Because you've got this thing in you. Or maybe we want more from someone else and we pressure them until they give in. And they give in not out of their heart or their free will, but out of compliance. And they resent us for what we've asked of them. Now you wind up with a lose-lose situation. Both wind up losing. So, to avoid these scenarios, let me just ask you, is, is the Spirit of God speaking to you? Are, are you? are you noticing anything in your own relationships at your work, maybe at, with your spouse? The, the thing that we're about to go into is to find out what you're responsible for. And I want you to know you're not responsible for the other person. You're responsible for you. You can't change, you, you can't change them. The problem is we think through our actions we can change someone else. We can't. We can change us. We're only called to change us. I am not called to change my wife. The only change agent that that is possible is the Lord. So to avoid these scenarios, we've got to look at what falls within our boundaries, what we're responsible for. And let me just start with one of them, and then I'll, I'll wrap things up. Let me just talk about one tonight. These are what falls within our boundaries, and it's feelings. Feelings have gotten a bad rap, and man, I'm the one who has preached this bad rap. I've always felt like that feelings were not to be talked about. And I'm married to a woman that has feelings. And I'm telling you what, it was like Mars and Venus. It's like Chinese and English. I don't understand them. I don't even know why they even play into the conversation. Elizabeth once asked me, how do you feel about that? I'm like, why does it matter how I feel? This is how it is. She's like, oh, no, it isn't. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. But there has been such a, such a bad rap placed on feelings. And let me tell you, feelings are literally what are driving us if we're not careful. They're at the wheel. So many people's lives are being driven by your feelings. But we need to pay attention to those feelings. These feelings play an enormous role in our motivation and in our behavior. How many times... Have we seen people do ungodly things because of their feelings? 
Or how many times has someone had to eventually be uh, hospitalized for depression because they've so pushed these feelings down and down and down until it finally erupted at a point that they were almost suicidal? Feelings cannot and should not be ignored, but they cannot be in charge. Our feelings cannot be placed in charge. The Bible says to own your feelings and to be aware of them. Do you know that your feelings can motivate you to do good? The good Samaritan's pity moved him to go to the injured Israelite. The father and the prodigal son was moved with compassion to run to his son when he returned. So many times Jesus was moved by his emotion, by his feelings. It says he was moved with compassion. Moved for the people that he ministered. You know, feelings come from your heart, and they help identify the state of a relationship. Do you realize that? If you're feeling good with your spouse, things in your, the relationship are probably pretty good. But if you're feeling animosity, if you're feeling, if you've just got a gut feeling, hey, something's not right, or there's no oxygen in the room, I can't tell you why, but something's not right, that is an indication that something's wrong. Unfortunately, us guys a lot of times don't even want to ask what's going on with our wife because we don't, we're afraid of what they're going to say. What's wrong? Oh, I wished I hadn't asked that. That went bad. And it was all me. I don't even remember doing that. No, I do. Yeah, I did that. Shoot. The feelings will show you. Man, I'm telling you, it, it's, I don't know about you and your spouse, but I know when my wife's not. We're not, we're, we're not on the right page. I can tell without even looking at her. I can, anybody can just feel it in the room? I feel that. If you feel angry, it probably means a problem needs to be addressed. But the point is, your feelings are your responsibility. Your feelings are are your responsibility, not your spouse's, not your kids. Your feelings are your responsibility, and you must own them as your problem so that you can begin to find an answer to whatever issue they're pointing to. My feelings are my problem. I have to deal with them. Do you know that if I get angry at you, that's a choice I made. I get to choose whether to be mad or not. You cannot make me mad. I choose to be mad. It's a choice. It's a decision. The Lord has given us this fruit of self-control, meaning I get to handle what's in me. Self-control. And I can choose to be angry or I can choose to not and I can choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. By George, you wait for a feeling, you won't, it won't come. You better choose. All right, that's just the tip of the iceberg talking about what we're responsible for. Next week we'll go into attitudes and beliefs. But I'm, I'm, hoping, that, uh, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you. Because we so need 
appropriate boundaries. And we're going to get kind of, for my two psychology guys right down here, we're going to kind of go into that. It's really, our battle is in the mind. Our battle is in the mind. And we want to be sure that we're loving people in a healthy way and not in an unhealthy way. And that we're allowing people to love us in a healthy way and not in an unhealthy way. Amen? Amen.